Same feeling. It's similar when Pete Maravich died. You just don't know where to turn to get answers. Warning the loss of a college basketball player. The growing concern about the dangers of high school football in the first seven... In the 1990 NCAA basketball season, Loyola Marymount was on its way to a possible tournament championship. They were led by their high-flying star Hank Gathers, who led the NCAA tournament in scoring that year and was projected to be a lottery pick in the 1990 NBA draft. On December 9, 1989, Gathers collapsed at the LMU home game against UC Santa Barbara. He was found to have an abnormal heartbeat and was prescribed a beta blocker. However, Gathers felt that the medication negatively affected his play, and his doses was gradually cut back. Originally prescribed to 240 milligrams per day, his doses was cut to 40 milligrams per day for the next three months. Gathers returned after sitting out for three weeks and missing two games, and he averaged 29.3 minutes and 29.15 points a game in his 20 games through the remainder of the season. However, he struggled with his play for weeks after returning. His play recovered in a nationally televised game against LSU on February 3rd, 1990, when he scored 48 points along with 13 rebounds, while being guarded by future NBA first-round draft picks Stanley Roberts and Shaquille O'Neal in a 148-141 overtime loss. The Lions won seven of their next eight games, and Gathers recorded a career high of 30 rebounds against St. Mary's. On February 26, 1990, as the WCC tournament neared, Gathers' medication was reduced one last time from 80 to 40 milligrams, on a condition that he undergo testing in a couple of days to determine if it was safe and effective at suppressing his dosage. He did not show up for his test that week and avoided calls from the cardiologist's office. On March 2nd, he had a long talk with a cardiologist who told him to play and come in for the testing after the tournament concluded. It was later suspected that Gathers was not taking any dosage on the game days. The following day in the WCC tournament quarterfinals in Los Angeles, he recorded 28 points and 11 rebounds in a 121-84 win over Gonzaga. On Sunday, March 4th, Gathers collapsed again with 13 minutes and 34 seconds left in the first half of the semifinal game against Portland Pilots. He had just scored a dunk from an alley pass from Terrell Lowry, and they went up 25-13. 13. 13 seconds later, while positioned around mid-court in the Lions' full-court press, he collapsed a yard or two away from the pilot's point guard, Eric Spoitra. He attempted to get up, telling the athletic trainers, I don't want to lay down. Shortly after, he stopped breathing. Gathers was pronounced dead at a nearby hospital at 6.55 p.m. He was 23 years old. Minutes after Gathers was taken to the hospital, the WCC commissioner suspended the game indefinitely. ESPN broadcast graphic footage of Gathers' collapse on SportsCenter. The network was at the game recording advanced footage for the championship game it was scheduled to televise the next night. Late that night, the WCC canceled the tournament, 
and awarded LMU the conference automatic bid to the NCAA tournament due to WCC regular season title. Gathers was buried at the Mount Lawn Cemetery in Sharon Hill, Pennsylvania. An autopsy found that he suffered from a heart muscle disorder. Bison Daly, born Brian Williams, was a former NBA player from 1991 to 1999 who won an NBA championship in 1997 with the Chicago Bulls. But on or around July 7, 2002, he and two other people that he was with vanished. On July 6, 2002, Bison Daly, also known as Brian Williams, his girlfriend, Serena Carlin, and Bison Daly's brother, along with their skipper, Bertrand Saldo, sailed from Tahiti on Daly's boat. Dale's brother, Miles DeBoard, born Kevin Williams, was the only person involved in the voyage who was seen or heard from after July 8, 2002, when the last of the three satellite phone calls from the voyage was made. Daly and Carlin had previously kept regular contact with their banks and family members. On July 20th, Miles bought the boat into Tahiti. He was alone aboard the vessel. On September 5, 2002, police used a sting operation organized by Daly's family and friends to detain Miles DeBoard in Phoenix, Arizona. Miles had forged Daly's signature in order to buy $150,000 worth of gold under his brother's name, using Daly's passport as identification. Mexican police later found that Miles had been staying at a hotel in Tijuana, Mexico. Two days before, the Hakuna Matata which had been registered in Tahiti under another name, was found off the coast of Tahiti, with the nameplate removed and some possible bullet holes patched. About the same time, Miles phoned his mother, Patricia Phillips, telling her that he would never hurt Daly and that he could not survive in prison. The FBI and French authorities became involved in the investigation and concluded that Daly, Carlin, and Saldo were probably murdered and then thrown overboard by Miles. Given that the bodies were likely dumped in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it would be highly unlikely that the three would ever be found. Miles, the only first-person source of information regarding the case, intentionally overdosed on insulin and slipped into a coma. On September 27, 2002, Miles died in a California hospital. In his account of the events, Miles said he and his brother had fought and that Karen had been accidentally hit and died when her head struck a part of the boat. When Saldo wanted to report her death, a panic daily killed him. Miles then shot his brother in self-defense, threw the bodies overboard, and subsequently fled back to the U.S. After Miles' insulin overdose, officials did not expect to find much more regarding the case. A memorial service was then held for Miles and Daly. The brothers were frequently at odds with each other. After Miles' death, his lawyer and lifelong best friend, Paul White, was questioned regarding his client but gave little information about what happened. Miles had said that he knew for sure that Daly and Carlin were in a French Polynesia, but not much more than that as he was trying to help Daly. On 
On June 17th, Lynn Bias was selected by the Boston Celtics as the second overall pick in the 1986 NBA Draft, which was held in New York City at Madison Square Garden. Red Arback, the Celtics' president and general manager, had dealt guard Gerald Henderson in cash to the Supersonics for their pick in 1984. After the draft, Bias and his family returned to their suburban Maryland home. On June 18th, Bias and his father flew to Boston, Massachusetts from Washington, D.C. for the NBA club draft acceptance and product endorsement signing ceremony with the Celtics coach and management. Bias had discussions with Reebok Sports Marketing Division regarding a five-year endorsement package worth $1.6 million. After returning home to Maryland, Bias drove back to the campus of the University of Maryland. He left campus at approximately 2 a.m. on Thursday, June 19th, drove to an off-campus gathering, and returned to the dormitory between 2.30 and 3 a.m. For the next three to four hours, Bias' longtime friend Brian Tribble and several teammates repeatedly snorted cocaine in the dormitory suite shared by Bias and his teammates. Bias reportedly had a seizure and collapsed while talking with teammate Terry Long. At 6.32 a.m., when Tribble called 911, Bias was unconscious and not breathing. All attempts by the emergency medical team to restart his heart and breathing were unsuccessful. After additional attempts to revive him at Leland Memorial Hospital in Riverdale, Maryland, Bias was pronounced dead at 8.55 a.m. of cardiac arrhythmia related to his usage of cocaine. It was reported that there were no other drugs or alcohol found in his system. Four days after Bias died, more than 11,000 people attended a June 23rd memorial service at the Cole Field House. The University Recreation and Student Center where Bias played for the Terrapins. Those speaking at the memorial service included Red Arback, who said that he had planned for three years to draft Bias for the Celtics. On June 30th, 1986, the Celtics honored Bias with their own memorial service, giving his number used, number 30, the Celtic jersey to his mother, Lenice. On July 25, 1986, a grand jury returned indictments against Brian Tribble for possession of cocaine and possession of cocaine with the intent to distribute. Bias's Maryland teammates Terry Long and David Gregg were charged with possession of cocaine and obstruction of justice. Long and Gregg were both suspended from the team on July 31st. All three defendants entered not guilty plea in August. On October 20, 1986, prosecutors dropped all charges against Long and Gregg in exchange for their testimony against Tribble. On October 30th, the grand jury added three more indictments against Tribble one count of conspiracy to, to obstruct of justice and two counts of obstruction of justice. Also on October 30th, Kenneth Mark Fobbs, Tribble's roommate, was charged with perjury for allegedly lying to the grand jury about the last time he had seen Tribble. The state ultimately dropped the perjury charges against Fobbs on March 24, 1987, and the jury acquitted Tribble of all charges related to the bias case on June 3, 1987. In 1990, Tribble pleaded guilty to a drug charge following a two-year undercover sting operation. He cooperated with the government. It was sentenced to 10 years and one month in prison.